This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The United States killed a top Iranian general last week, a man so revered in Iran that hundreds of thousands of people turned out on the streets to mourn his death. And since his death, the world has braced for Iran's response to the attack, unclear where and how the country might retaliate. Last night, a response came in the form of more than a dozen missiles fired at two Iraqi military bases that house U.S. troops. No one was killed in the attack. And this morning, President Trump said Iran seems to be standing down. Iran's foreign minister, meantime, tweeted last night that, quote, Iran took and concluded proportionate measures in self-defense. Today on the show, why Iran's response looked the way it did and where the two countries go from here. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbach. It's Wednesday, January 8th. What we've seen over the past week, 10 days, amounts to a dramatic escalation in hostilities between the U.S. and Iran. Suna Engel Rasmussen covers Iran. There's some real game theory going on here. You can really see both sides trying to respond to each other's hostilities in a way that satisfy their own constituencies. This is perhaps mostly true of Iran, but do that in a way so it doesn't cause things to spiral out of control. Iran quickly took responsibility for the attack. Why? Because they didn't want there to be any doubt that they were behind it. Look, Imagine this, you have a situation where the U.S. kills the most prominent military commander in Iran. It's humiliating for Iran, it's a big symbolic blow, and they have to retaliate. There's just no situation where where they could just cop it without any response and not lose face. Iran is nothing if not a rational player. Sometimes we might not understand their actions, And sometimes maybe they miscalculate, but it's a highly rational regime. I think the U.S. interpretation of Iran is that they are irrational. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And it's something I'll always tell my American friends who haven't been to Iran. And they'll always think that I'm doing it to be controversial or provocative. But it is true. I mean, Iran conducted an Islamic revolution 40 years ago. If we set aside what we personally think of an Islamic theocracy and of the, of the type of governance that's being carried out in Iran, the revolution is successful in the sense that it has survived and is pretty strong. And it wouldn't have survived if it was completely irrational. They're not ones to get carried away by emotions. And what we've seen over the past 24 hours is this is all very calculated. Iran's choice to immediately claim responsibility for last night's attack is part of this calculated thinking. 
Usually, when there's an attack, Iran often works with a kind of plausible deniability. So they work through all these uh, these allies, militias around the region, and it's kind of handy for Iran, actually. So if one of these militias conduct an attack, Iran can always say that it wasn't commanded by them, it wasn't ordered by them. So what's different about this particular attack is that Iran comes out, attacks a foreign country, foreign sovereign country, Iraq, attacks U.S. forces, which they don't normally do, and they claim it. But while Iran did claim responsibility, it was for an attack that didn't cause too much damage, perhaps by design. The Trump administration has been, let's say, a little vague in its Iran policy. Uh, but one thing has been clear from the beginning, and that is a red line is American casualties or American deaths. And that's what actually triggered this whole thing to begin with. This latest standoff between the U.S. and Iran started with an incident a couple weeks ago. A group of militants with links to Iran attacked American troops in Iraq. One American contractor died. After that death, the White House decided to respond. And that led to a series of back and forths, which culminated when the White House ordered the killing of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. So Iran is not interested in killing another American. They know that's a red line. And if you look at it, the Americans killed Qasem Soleimani. A lot of people thought he was untouchable. What's the next escalatory step from there? Is that an attack on Iranian soil? Iran is not interested in that. Iran kind of got the message, if they kill an American, there will be a like a disproportionate response from America. So I don't think they were interested in, in, in repeating that. After the attack, Iran's foreign minister said Iran does not seek escalation or war. But for some Iranians, last night's strike didn't go far enough in avenging Soleimani's death. I've seen on social media, I've seen people who mock the Revolutionary Guard for not killing any Americans, basically, for not inflicting enough damage. But I think a lot of Iranians will also be rational about it. And they will, they will say, look, if we go too hard against the U.S., there might be a war. And very few people are interested in a war. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a pride versus pragmatism, you could almost say. Pragmatically, the Iranian regime needs to avenge the death of Soleimani because he was such a beloved figure in Iran. So a lot of people see him as a national hero because he was this strong man and this very popular military commander. People saw him as a defender of the country. And when the U.S. killed Ghazm Soleimani, they killed a man that wasn't just a high-ranking military official. They killed a man that, as the supreme leader said, he called Ghazm Soleimani a living martyr. Soleimani's death reverberated in Iran. The crowd at his funeral procession was so big that Sunna says it was really only like one other event, back when the revered founder of the Islamic Republic of Iran died a generation ago. Soleimani's death had that level of prominence. His coffin was taken to four different cities, and in all these cities there was just an ocean of people surrounding the vehicle that was carrying the coffin. And I've been approached by people over the past week, saying that, that they don't believe that these processions are real. They say that Iranian authorities, they coerce people into the streets, they pressure and threaten people with arrest if they don't go protest. And there's a grain of truth to that in the sense that often sort of public servants and students are bussed into rallies, for example, revolution rallies in front of the American embassy, the former American embassy in Tehran. But the grief was real and the anger was real. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. I don't think that the regime could have gotten away with not 
responding in any way. There was just simply too much anger. But this anger is just one side of a much more complicated relationship between the U.S. and Iran. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. The relationship between the U.S. and Iran isn't as simple as the military tit-for-tat that we've seen this week. And Suna says, when you're on the ground in Iran, you sense that. Living in the Middle East for about half a decade, I think Iran is probably the most pro-American country in the region, if you talk to the people. That's very surprising. It's only surprising to people who haven't been in Iran, I think. Many, many Iranian officials studied in the U.S. Their children study and live and work in the U.S. currently. Iranians leave Iran and go to the U.S. Uh, all the time. Iranians called Los Angeles Tehrangeles, named after Tehran because there's so many Iranians there. They call Toronto Tehranto, even though it's in Canada, but it's kind of you know, similar cultures. They are, they are obsessed with Hollywood movies. They are obsessed with American music. They don't see themselves as an Arab country because they aren't an Arab country, but they probably see themselves more as part of the quote-unquote Western world than they do of the Arab world. So in some parts of Iran, there is a admiration and deep connection with American culture. But on the other hand, there's a lot of acrimony and anger toward America's role in the region. Can you kind of explain this contradiction and the tension that especially exists now? I would say, actually, if you consider how much acrimony there's been the past 40 years between Iran and America, it's incredible that there's not more anti-American sentiment in Iran, actually. I think it's also important to distinguish between official rhetoric, which definitely is very anti-American, and then from, from the sentiment that, that people feel. I have been to rallies, revolutionary rallies in uh, Iran, walked side by side with people shouting, Marikbar Amerika, Marikbar Israel. That means death to America, death to Israel. And then they've turned around and they've seen me, a blonde, a blue-eyed uh, guy from Denmark, and they've given me a hug and they've kissed me and they said, oh, you're from Europe, oh, we love you. If, are you. Some people ask if I'm from America, oh, we love America. This is not like a personal thing. Just this week, after the killing of Qasem Soleimani, they told our, our reporter in Tehran, this is not personal. And maybe that comes from living in a, an authoritarian regime. I mean, the Iranians know all about what it's like 
to live in a country where the outside world equates you with your government or your administration. And Iranians are, are very well aware of the sort of the need to distinguish the people from those who run the country. They say that this is not against the American people. This is against the American administration. In recent years, the U.S. has reversed its policy on Iran. There had been quite a lot of change at the end of the Obama administration. Iran had signed onto an agreement that would curb its nuclear weapons program, and the U.S. and its allies had lifted economic sanctions. The two countries were talking. But President Trump took the relationship in a different direction. In comes President Trump. He promised to tear up the nuclear deal. It didn't take him long to leave it. And then he reinstated uh, very, very harsh economic sanctions on Iran. People in Iran, not just officials, but also Iranians, talk about the U.S. sanctions. They call it economic terrorism or economic warfare. No matter what we think of that characterization, I think it's important to understand that a lot of Iranians actually see this as economic warfare. So they already think that they are at war with the U.S., albeit not an armed one. After last week's attack on Soleimani, it looked like the U.S. and Iran might be on that path to armed conflict. And so, after last night's strike, everyone's eyes turned to the White House to see how President Trump would respond. And this morning, President Trump gave a statement about last night's attacks. He said that Americans should be grateful and happy there were no U.S. casualties. And... Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. But while Trump's comments suggest there will be a pause in military escalation, he said there will be new economic pain for Iran. As we continue to evaluate options in response to Iranian aggression, the United States will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions on the Iranian regime. These powerful sanctions will remain until Iran changes its behavior. As the U.S. doubled down on sanctions, Iran's leadership has made it clear that while last night's strike was payback for the death of Soleimani, it would also find other forms of retribution. Over the weekend, Iran announced it would scale back its compliance with the nuclear deal and potentially shorten the window to developing a nuclear weapon. And last night, Iran's leadership said more would come. Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei, he has said that Iran is not finished with its retaliation. He kind of implied that the end goal for Iran is an expulsion of all American forces in Iraq. All the officials are saying that, uh, quote, get the hell out of our region. Even with both sides doubling down in different ways, in a way, things may go back to how they were. I mean, too much damage has been done. It can't go entirely back to how it's been. But I do think that if the U.S. lets this Iranian attack slide, and if the Iranian establishment feels satisfied with the response they gave to the U.S., we are probably able to go back to, to a place where, where military options are taken off the table again, and then uh, things hobble along with a lot of acrimony between Tehran and Washington, and Washington imposing a lot of economic pain on Tehran, but maybe with less of a risk of, of an actual war.
that's all for today, Wednesday, January 8th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.